Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Will you go ahead and give it up for these amazing, beautiful families up here? Come on, let's let them know. We're excited for them. The Bible teaches us that our children are a gift from God. And with that in mind, we know that God blesses us with children, and the dedication is about presenting that child back to God. What we're really saying is that we trust God with our children. There's many examples in the Old Testament of people taking this step, this spiritual step of faith. The first is Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Hannah said this, I prayed for this child, and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. Then and there, they worshiped God. We see that in Scripture, Hannah prayed for this child, and God gave her exactly what she prayed for, And in return, she dedicated this gift from God back to God. We remember that Mary and Joseph presented Jesus in dedication in the temple in Luke chapter 2. And Abraham also presented Isaac on Mount Moriah. In presenting our kids to God in dedication, we are entering into a covenant with God. We're making a covenant with God that we are entrusting our child into his care Dedication does not guarantee our child's salvation because that takes the time of awareness and accountability for them to make a decision. And we know that salvation is obtained by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. However, this step, this dedication ceremony, is a most significant act of faith. And it's a covenant that we are making with God that as parents, we're going to provide Christian guidance to this child. I believe there are four elements that in dedicating your child to God. Number one, giving your child to God is confirmation of your love for God. The most important relationship that any of us have is our relationship with God. Our children are our most prized possession, but by dedicating our child to God, we are confirming that we love God more than anything else. Secondly, giving our child to God is clarification of ownership. We understand that children are gifts, and they are a heritage of the Lord, but at the end of the day, we know that they belong to God. Third, giving our child to God is a commitment to raise that child God's way. We're stating that God's way is better than our way. And then number four, giving your child to God is also claiming God's promises over your child's life, and we're going to have a moment to pray over each child and claim those promises To the parents, there are benefits in dedicating your child, but there's also some responsibilities. Those responsibilities include in dedicating your child to the Lord, we are dedicating that child to God's service. We are declaring that we will pray for that child every single day. We're going to instruct our children with the Word of God. We're also going to teach them the importance of reading the Word of God. We're going to bring them to the house of God. And the most important is we're going to do our best to make sure that they come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ at a young age. To the father, fatherhood is a calling. It's a mandate. 
It's not just something we do. It's a calling that God has given us. Fatherhood is a covenant responsibility. Fatherhood has at its call the generational transfer of blessing that through the Father, God many times would transfer the blessing from one generation to the next. Also to the mothers, what an awesome responsibility God has given you. Not just a responsibility, but also an awesome calling to provide love and nurture and the grace and wisdom uh, to raise that child and to provide the guidance necessary. When I think of moms, I can't help but think of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. It says this, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. I think that describes a mom's love. I'm going to Ask Pastor Jay if you would just take this for a moment. And I'm going to ask the Bethesda congregation, if you would just join me by standing to your feet and as an act of faith, just stretch your hands this way. Um, This is the moment right here where we are praying and believing God's word over these children and over these families. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I'm thankful for Gary and Amber and, and God for Silas. God, and what this moment means, God, they are making a covenant with you that they're going to raise Silas, God, to the best of their ability to teach him to know you and to know your word. And, and God, we, we, we celebrate what this day means, but God, we also, we, we lay claim to your promises in your word over Silas's life. And God, in dedicating him today, we are believing, God, that he will fulfill his purpose for which you have called him. God, we're, we're praying that he will come to a knowledge and a relationship with you at a very young age. And God, we're praying that everything he puts his hands to, God, that you will bless and prosper. And God, just keep a hedge of protection around him, God, so that he can do and be who you've called him to be. God, I pray for Gary and Amber today, asking God that you would give them grace and strength and wisdom to lead, to guide, to correct when necessary. And God, overall, just the grace that they need, God, Lord, to to help Silas, to point him in the direction you have called him. We thank you for him today. God, I thank you today, God, for Matt and Heather and Ella. God, we're so thankful for this awesome family and their love for you. And God, we're just believing that Ella is going to be a world changer, God. We're, We're believing, God, that you've put her on the earth for this time to accomplish certain things. And, and God, we just, we pray over Matt and Heather right now that you'd give them the grace and the strength, God, Lord, to lead and guide and correct when necessary, God, Lord, to provide an environment that Ella can grow in and excel in and, and not just academically and all that, but God, to know you in an intimate way. And God, we just dedicate her right now in the name of Jesus. And we are believing, Father, that you're going to take great care of her, God, that the purpose of God, will be fulfilled in her life. God, that what she puts her hands to will be blessed and be prospered. God, we thank you, God. We claim every promise of your word over Ella's life today in Jesus' name. And God, we pray, God, Lord, for Megan and Azaria. God, we're so thankful and for Ryan today, God. And we're, we're just thankful, God, for this beautiful family, God, and what you're doing and this precious two-month-old God, what a beautiful gift. We recognize, God, that she is a gift from you, 
a gift, God, that you have given this family, God. And Lord, we're praying for the grace and strength to be able to lead and provide, God, a a place, God, where Azaria can grow and know you intimately, God. And Lord, as we dedicate her, we are claiming your promises over her life, God, that she will fulfill her purpose and calling, and God, that you're going to take great care of her, and that everything she puts her hands to, God, will prosper and will be blessed. God, give this family the wisdom they need, God, to be able to fulfill, God, the calling that is on them. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Can we give these three beautiful families a big God bless you? I'm gonna let them get a picture, y'all. Can you come get a straight on picture? That'd be awesome. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Y'all hold still just a second without me in the way. Perfect. Let's give him one more big God bless you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that way. Perfect. Welcome to week number three of Running with the Giants. Um, I learned at 8.30 this morning I had about seven pages, too many notes. And so I went into like panic mode, how am I going to fix it? Don't worry, I won't preach all day, I get bored with myself, okay? Uh, But I do have a word for you today um, that I think will challenge you and, and maybe just shine some light on some things. But if you've missed this series so far, we're calling it Running with the Giants. And what we are doing is if one of the spiritual giants could come leave this cloud of witnesses and come down here and run one lap with us, what would they say? How would what they did impact our lives? What would be their message to us? And our key verse comes from Hebrews chapter number 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's where we got the title, Running with the Giants, these spiritual giants, cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So in week one, Pastor Karen talked about Esther and finding your purpose, and last week I dealt with Joseph talking about when life is bad, don't give up, right? Uh, Today we're going to talk about David. Everybody say David. David is an interesting character in the Word of God because there's so many things we could say about David. But I want to start with this question. Have you ever wondered why God opens certain doors for specific people at strategic times? Have you ever wondered why some people seem to be favored, they seem to prosper, they seem to excel um, exponentially? I, I, I think David's life tells us why that happens. And what, what I think is, there's so many things David could tell us, but one thing I know David would tell us is this, you are exalted by God as you humble yourself under God's authority. Yeah, I didn't think y'all would be shouting over that. That God will exalt you 
as you humble yourself under his authority. David is a polarizing figure from the Word of God who did some amazing things. You guys know he killed a bear, he killed a lion, he killed the giant Goliath. He was a worshiper. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. That's a pretty cool thing to have said about you. But we also know that he did some stupid things. He had an affair, he lied about it, then he committed murder, all tied to this affair. So in all the ups and all the downs, we see that God still elevated him, prospered him, opened up doors for him. And I think it's because David learned and understood this concept that we call authority. He understood this. And a lot of us, we struggle with authority on a lot of different levels. But what we need to know about authority is that no one is the exception. David was not the exception to authority. You and I are not the exception to authority. And I'm going to take it a step further. Even Jesus himself was not the exception to authority. Think about this for just a minute. Jesus came into this earth, and we all believe and know that he's God, right? How many know Jesus is God, right? And we know the story that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and she gave birth. This virgin gave birth to the Son of God. His father... Now, we, we, I know you could say Joseph, but how many of his father was God the Father? And Mary was his mother, and so God the Father and Mary, Mary co-parented him. Or, or, or part, not co-parent, they partnered together to raise Jesus. And a great, great example of authority in his life is that on one occasion um, with, with Jesus and him growing up is that his family went to Jerusalem for a feast, and when they went there, the family left, like they left, and the Bible says that they, they were traveling back and realized, we've lost Jesus. Now, how many know, I mean, we've all had blunders, but when you leave Jesus, the Son of God, and, and you, you just leave him, that's a big deal. And so, the scripture says that they went back and they found Jesus in the temple, and Mary runs in and says, what are you doing? Like, we left. You should be with us. What are you doing? And Jesus said, I'm doing my father's business. And Mary said, no, you're not. Get your behind in the minivan. We're going home. And guess what Jesus did? He went home for the next 17 years. He submitted to her delegated authority. The one who created Mary submitted to her. Think about it. And a, a great thought is, is 17 years later, he's at a wedding. At 13, he thought he was ready to do the ministry, and Mary said, no, you're not. At age 30, he's not really thinking about it, and they run out of wine. And Mary looked at Jesus when the wedding party, ran out of wine and said, hey, won't you do something? He said, it ain't my time. She said, yeah, it is. All right, mom, bring me the water pots. The Bible says he turned the water. At 13, he thought he was ready. She said, no, you're not. At 30, he didn't think he was ready. She said, it's time. So we see that authority, and, and, and think about this with Jesus. Jesus allowed John to baptize him. 
You know what that was a picture of? Submitting to authority. The Son of God is going to let someone else baptize him. Come on, if that was us, we just said, nope, I'm baptizing myself. I'm anointed. Come on, lay hands on myself. You know, but no, he understood authority. And this whole story with, with, with David, uh, it's a crazy story because before God gave them kings, is, uh, the fact is God was their king. He led them. They, didn't, they were a theocracy. God spoke and through prophets, and as God spoke, they, they would listen and obey, and, and, and that's how they were led until they started comparing themselves to other nations and realized other nations have a man. They have a king. They have someone who leads them, and God's like, I'm leading you. How many know God's a pretty good leader? But they wasn't good enough. They compared themselves and said, we want a king, and God said, all right, I'll give you what you want. I'm going to give you a king, but it will break your heart. This is not going to be as good as you think it's going to be. This is going to be a very negative thing. And Scripture says that God gave them this king by the name of Saul, and Saul started off well. I mean, he's tall, he's handsome, the Bible says. He's got all the qualities you would want in a leader or king, and, and he's got a lot going for him. And he starts off well, but over time, through pride and arrogance, Saul starts doing his own thing, and so much so that the Scripture says this, God regretted ever making him king. Now, how many know you've made some big mistakes when God regrets he ever gave you a position? Like, God's like, what was I thinking? Because you've really messed this up. And so what happened is, is God sent the prophet Samuel to Saul's house to tell him, hey, you, you, you've been rejected. God's going to raise up somebody else to take your seat. And privately, God had Samuel go to Jesse's house, which Jesse is David's dad. And he said, when you get there, you're going to anoint the next king. You guys know the story. The prophet shows up, and they bring in seven boys, and he goes down the list and says, none of, you, none of these guys, it. you got anybody else? The king's not in here. And Jesse hadn't even invited David to the ceremony. Like, he left one son out of it. And he said, well, I got another one, but he's out with the sheep. And Samuel's like, bring him here. And he ends up anointing David as the next king. Now, David is anointed as king. I want you to catch this. He's anointed as king, but Saul is still appointed as king. All right? Now, this is important because David learned how to submit to Saul. Even though he was anointed, he still understood Saul has been appointed, and until God moves him out of the way, I have to honor him. See, you can be anointed for something, but that doesn't mean that you have been appointed yet. Some people, oh, I'm anointed. Well, when you're anointed, you also have to be appointed. And sometimes God will anoint you and then take you on a detour to see where your heart's at, to see if you can still honor and submit even though you've been anointed. See, David would tell us that as we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. And so that's why I told you about Jesus submitting to his mother. And so what I want to do is give you four, and I got tons of scripture. I may have to give some references that you go home and read. Because uh, the Bible has so much. I'm just going to let the Bible preach. Is that all right? 
How many know that's what we should do anyway? Let the Bible say it, okay? I want to give you four truths about authority, and then I'm going to give you four tests you'll have to pass. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, you ready to test? Y'all didn't know you were coming to a test, did you? We're going to lay some foundation with these four truths first. Number one, God is the originator of authority, and Satan is the originator of rebellion. Romans 13 says this, in verse, starting in verse 1, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. But you want to be unafraid of the authority, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is, a, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Yay, right? For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. We can sum up Romans 13 with one statement. All authority is from God. That's real hard for a lot of us because there's some authority that we don't agree with. There's some authority that some of us, if we were being honest, we don't like. But Romans 13 is really clear in verse number 1. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed from God. So authority is something that originates with God. God gives us authority. Now we can get real for just a second. Most of us don't see the IRS as God's ministers. But God does, very clearly here in Romans 13. Like, he does, and God wants us to submit taxes to whom taxes. Come on, y'all love that, right? The, the problem is, is we think, we think that, let, let me just rephrase it. I got to say this the right way. We can, if the IRS calls you tomorrow, and they said, we really messed up, on your taxes. We apologize, but we owe you $10,000. We have butchered your stuff for two years. It's our bad. We're sorry. We're mailing you a check. How many are you going to submit to that? Right? Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's have revival, right? Pastor, let's have church. Where's the worship team? We'd be hucking and bucking, right? All excited, submitting to that. But how many know if they called tomorrow and said, hey, we've really messed up the last few years, and what, we, what we've recognized is, as we've looked a little deeper, is that we gave you too much. You owe us 10 grand. The devil is a liar. Come on, somebody. I know. You know how we are. You know how we are. We, we're not going to submit to that because we don't agree with it. The problem is, is that submission don't start until you disagree. Anybody can submit when you're in agreement. 
But the moment you disagree, that's when honor and submission and all those things come into play. We're all cool if we're on the same page. But the moment we're not on the same page as authority, can you still honor and submit? Because God is the originator of authority. Satan is the originator of rebellion. Any dishonor to authority originates from Satan. It's never appropriate. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I won't read it, but you, you, that's just one of the verses you need to write down or go to the app and get it, all right? Because y'all don't want me to preach for an hour, do you? All right. Some of y'all are like, yeah, we got all day, preacher. Let's go. No, I won't do it. I won't do it. Some of y'all burn the roast. I understand. Be on fire. God operates in authority. Satan operates in rebellion. When Paul, what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians, read it when you go home, chapter number 2, verses 7 through 10, is that he spoke uh, in terms of rebellion as being lawless. Okay, lawlessness is, is connected to rebellion. In other words, anyone who operates with an attitude that says, no one tells me what to do, all right, they are operating in the same spirit that got Satan kicked out of heaven. See, we, we go around, nobody tells me. You, know, you got some folk, I only listen to Jesus, preacher. No man going to tell me what to do. I only follow him. I only listen to him. He's the only one that can tell me anything. First of all, you're weird. You're really weird. Can you stop all that just you and Jesus stuff? And, and the other thing about that is those people seem really spiritual, like it sounds spiritual. I only listen to Jesus. I only follow Jesus. Nobody tells me what to do but Jesus. But on their lips is a rebellious spirit. Because God doesn't just want you to honor his direct authority. God wants you to honor his delegated authority. Now, what you need to know is that I would never use God's word to benefit myself in this. Like these are things I've had to walk. I'm talking, you got to apply this to your workplace. Let's take it a step further. You have to apply this to the president, whether you voted for them or not. Because if you haven't prayed for them as much as you've criticized them, you're operating in a rebellious spirit. Oh, my claps are going to get low. There's been plenty of presidents I didn't vote for. But you know what? I prayed for him. I got into some heated arguments over President Barack Obama with Christians because they, how do you feel? What do you think? I said, well, I'm praying for the man. I'm praying for him. I wouldn't want to be in his shoe. Can you imagine the weight they carry? No matter what they do, half of us hate them. And if they do the other thing, the other half hate them. Like, how I many know they're in a no-win situation? Like, you're not going to win, all right? Half the country going to hate you no matter what you do. So you have to pray for them, honor them, and I'm doing the same for this president. I'm praying for him. Do I agree with everything he does? Absolutely not. But I am praying for him. And that should be our response. Like, not being critical, not being, not being people who dishonor them, but people who honor and pray and we're, we're, we're able to submit. Now, the problem in this, this generation is that 
we don't like authority. People don't like it. Like, we don't want to be told what to do and all that. We just don't like authority. We have a hard time with authority. But as, as followers, I'm speaking to followers, and I know there are probably people here that don't know Jesus, but as followers of Jesus, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It is one thing for the world to be rebellious, but it's another thing for people who follow Jesus to be rebellious. And I see it all the time. People that are dishonoring and dismissive of God's authority. The second thing is rebellion against God's direct or delegated human authority is serious sin with serious consequences. Like, this is not a game with God. He, he attaches judgment connected, and it's not God like judging you. Your choice is judging you. Your spirit is judging you. It's not like God is just smacking your hand. Like when you dishonor authority, nothing good's going to come of that. It's not going to happen. Romans chapter 13, that, those first two verses, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed from God. It goes on, therefore whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. All right? 1 Samuel chapter 15 says this, says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now this is where Saul messed up. Saul messed up. And, and the way King Saul messed up was God said, when you go to that city, I want you to wipe it out, all of it. I don't want you to leave anything. I don't want you to take anything. And, and Saul had already started taking things into his own hands, so he went in, and he wiped out most of it. But they kept a little bit for themselves. And so God called his hand to the carpet and said, I told you all of it. Why? Why? Why didn't you obey? And, and, and Saul, he got spiritual. Oh, I kept a little bit so that we could bring sacrifices to you. And God said, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. See, Saul thought that partial obedience would be okay. But, but partial obedience is still disobedience. Like when we have an attitude of I'll do 98% of it, but I won't do the other 2%. Come on, y'all, help me out. Like, I'll do most of it. I'll do most of it, but I'm not going to do all of it. God's looking for total obedience. And how many know that's not always easy? Just me, Lord. Rest them are cool. All right. So God then connected, and this is the, the tough part. God connects the sin of rebellion to the sin of witchcraft. And that's a head scratcher, like, Okay, God, witchcraft, that's, that's kind of heavy. What, what do you mean by that? Witchcraft, if you study, I'm not suggesting you go study this, all right? But witchcraft is a religion without a, without a deity. The person becomes the deity. And so witches, whereas they will use lotions and potions and motions, what they do, what they do, the end of the day, the goal is manipulate everyone to get them to do what, what you want them to do. Why? Because you have become the God. I'm my own deity. 
And so God connects rebellion to the spirit of witchcraft because all it is is when we have become our own God and we manipulate people, nobody tells us what to do. We're going to get what we want out of you no matter what. Witchcraft, rebellion, connected. He takes it a step further and he says, stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness. I know I got some stubborn folk in the house. Don't raise your hand. Stubborn people, all right? There's, there's things I'm stubborn on too. We all have a little bit of it, but listen to what God says. He says, stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. The word iniquity means to bend. That's what iniquity means. It means that you have a propensity towards a certain sin. You have a bend towards something. Everyone, that's why you should never judge someone else's struggle, all right? Because you got your own. We all have a bend towards something. Come on, y'all, y'all don't act like you just came out of the womb singing Amazing Grace and preaching. You have a bend to do things you shouldn't do. That's why it's called temptation. Iniquity is a bend in a certain direction. That's what it is. And so he says stubbornness is, is like iniquity. And then he takes it a step further. He connects stubbornness to idolatry which idolatry is the worship of a false god. So how in the world is stubbornness connected to worship of a false god? It's because you worship your opinion more than anything else. Come on, do y'all know somebody that's always right? It's when we worship our own opinion. Our opinion is always the most important. So submission to authority doesn't even begin until we disagree, and God wants us to submit. And, and, and Solomon, think about this, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Just, just hear, you got to hear me out, all right? Solomon said this in Proverbs. He said, it's better to live in an attic than with a contentious woman. And he says it three times, y'all. But you got to give him a break. He had a thousand wives. Come on, y'all. Like, Give the dude a break. What, what's he, what's he, if you study that out, what he's saying is, is that it's impossible to live with someone who worships their own opinion. They're always right. They always have, you know, the answer. They, they, they worship their own thought life. They, they don't give anybody else any honor. They don't allow anybody else. They're always the right one. Listen, that's stubbornness. It's idolatry. It's witchcraft. It, it's rebellion. It's all of that. And God says we need to get away from it. And listen, we can take it a step further. It's not just about presidents and, and CEOs and the boss man and all that. How many of we need some honor in the house that we honor our wives and our wives honor the husbands, that this is something that we freely give. Man, it'll go a long way. Number three, understanding and accepting the principle of submission to authority will accelerate spiritual revelation and maturity. There are some tremendous benefits to submitting to authority, including spiritual growth. That you will get places, listen, David had doors open for him because the whole time Saul is throwing spears at him, he's honoring him. He never took matters into his own hand. No matter what Saul did, David said, that's God's anointed. I'll serve, I'll honor, I'll do what is necessary 
all along the way. And, and, and listen, in Matthew 8, or Ma- yeah, Matthew 8, great example of honoring someone and honoring an authority. And we preached this in the series covered, but, but there's a Roman centurion that had been watching Jesus. Remember this? And he, he's not a Jew. He don't know the Bible. He don't go to church. He don't know God. He don't know any of it. But he's been watching Jesus long enough speak to stuff and things change. And he was a man of authority. He even said, I see you're a man of authority. I too am a man of authority. When, when you speak, stuff happens. When I tell people to do something, they go do it. I get it. And the Bible says that he received a miracle because he was able to honor the authority. Now, the reason that's important is because the Jews who were around Jesus every day, who knew the Bible, who knew like God, who, who went to church every single week, never got a miracle, though they were with him all the time. And the difference is one man honored him and, and picked up on the authority while the Jews could not receive anything from Jesus, and they were dismissive of him. Listen, honoring authority, it's like, check this out. Your body and your spirit, what makes them different? Your body matures automatically. I mean, are we sitting in here getting older? Automatically. Bodies mature. Don't remind me, right? Sitting in here getting older, our body automatically matures. Unfortunately, your spirit does not automatically mature. I've met people who have been saved 40 years, and they as immature as the person who just found out who Jesus was. They still bitter and offended and whining and griping all the time. How long have you been saved? 40 years. Don't look at anybody, all right? So to grow and, and to grow spiritually and become mature, you got to be intentional. you gotta, you got to put yourself in God's presence. Part of growing up and becoming mature is, is honoring authority and being submissive to authority. Um, number four, I'm skipping a whole page of notes. Hit your neighbor and say, that's good. I told you I'm going to get us there. Number four, submission to authority brings supernatural favor, blessing, and protection from God. Submission to authority brings supernatural favor, blessing, and protection. How many know that no matter what you do, you can't change one truth? God loves you. Like, you can't change that. If you decide today you're going to shake your fist in God's face and never serve him, how many know that doesn't change his love for you? It doesn't change at all. Like, there's nothing you can do to diminish God's love. It is unconditional Man, isn't that amazing? Like, that that is a a truth. Like, love is one of the keys you have to have to interpret the Bible. Because how many know that without love, the Bible becomes a dangerous book? Y'all grew up in the same church as I did, right? Like, they preached the Bible, but there was no love. And so I just always thought I'm going to hell no matter what. Anybody with me? Every service, there are people leaving, and they're happy, and I'm leaving crying. Why are you crying? Well, I'm going to hell. Y'all laughed, but I did. Like, I'm going to hell. I know I am. Because I didn't understand love. There's nothing you can do to change God's love, but it's like having two kids. I got four. Y'all pray for me, okay? I love all four the same. 
There's nothing they can do to change that. All right, nothing. I'll always love them. But if you have one kid who breaks all the rules, who never listens, when you say, get your bath, they hide somewhere. You say, it's time for bed, and they, they up under the bed playing in a, whatever one of them things are, a DS. They, they, they make bad grades. Like, how many of y'all understand that, if, that you love them all the same, but if you got one acting like that, you're not going to reward that rebellious behavior. Now, if you do, you're setting them up for failure. Because honor, when he gave the Ten Commandments, one of them was honor your mother and father so that your days shall be prolonged. God attached a blessing to honoring parents. Why? Authority starts in the home. And if they learn authority at home, then they'll have no problem with authority later. But if you, if you reward the one who's acting out and doesn't follow the rules, the same way you do the one that did everything you've asked them to do, you are setting this one up for a, for a, a big disappointment because if all they've ever heard is, yeah, you're awesome, we love you, you're amazing, and their first boss tells them, you stink, how many know they're not going to last on the job? They will immediately dishonor that. They won't be able to handle that. And so God's love doesn't change, but when we're obedient, there are blessings attached to it. Does that make sense? All right, I got to hurry. I got to give you four tests. I'm going to try to do this in 10 minutes. All right, four truths, now four tests. Number one, the arrogance test. Many times I've been through all four of these. Arrogance tests. I have learned that God will sometimes give you authority if for no other reason than to knock the pride out of you. Arrogance test. David was privately anointed, and King Saul didn't know it. Saul is still the king when Goliath is taunting the nation of Israel and King Saul. And, and the cool thing about this is David's already been anointed, and Goliath's out there taunting the nation of Israel. And David has been anointed, just not appointed yet. Like, you can be anointed, doesn't mean you've been appointed yet. And so David is delivering cheese to his brothers who are actually in the military. He shows up with cheese. That, that's a great, right there. If you're anointed, can you still do insignificant things? Or is that beneath you now? All right? So David's anointed. Like, he knows he's anointed. He knows that Saul is actually just keeping my seat warm. And he shows up, and he hears the Philistine, and nobody's fighting him. And David's like, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. And Saul, the king's like, no, you're too little, too young, not going to happen. And David did something really, really cool. He not only talked about, I killed a bear and a lion, but he said to him in verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Notice the language. I've been anointed, but I'm your servant, Saul. You're still in the role. I've been anointed, but I am your servant. And so even the language suggests that there was honor 
from David to Saul. And part of the reason David was looking for the blessing of Saul, I think David knew that if he tried to kill the giant outside of Saul's blessing, he would have got himself killed. But after he got the blessing, how many know? There may be some giants you've not been able to take out because you've been trying to take him out outside of authority. Man, I'm telling you what. I, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on today. All right? But you got, you got to understand, David saw something. He recognized something. He had to be tempted to say, don't you see the oil running off me? I'm anointed. Like, you're just keeping my seat warm. He had to be tempted. Like, those thoughts probably ran through his head. But, but he was able to submit, to honor, to respect, and therefore he took out the giant. I want to say it like this. You may be the next thing, but until you are the thing, be careful. All right, that didn't cost y'all nothing. Number two, the abuse test. The abuse test. What happens, pastor, if authority is abusive? I'm going to clear this one up quick because most of the time what we call abusive authority is not abusive. And I'm not being dismissive of abusive authority. How do I know if, if authority is being abusive? I know that authority is being abusive if there is intent to damage. They are trying to hurt you. But here's the deal. There is a big difference in abuse and, and discomfort. Somebody needs to hear this. God gives authority to bring discomfort into your life. If, if all the authority in your life makes you comfortable, you don't have authority. Authority exists to make us uncomfortable. Now, in 1 Samuel 19, it says, Now this distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand, and then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. Now, guys, if you show up to work tomorrow and the boss is slinging knives, it's a good sign that that's, how many know, that's a good sign you need to go. Like, that's, that's the time you say, that's intent to damage. That's not making me uncomfortable. This guy wants to harm me and hurt me. And, and so he starts throwing the spears at David. And all along the way, David continued to, to do the right thing. Because when, when you're in, if you're in a situation where it is abusive, don't repay evil for evil. All right, that's the first thing, David. He did not repay evil for evil. He wasn't trying to get Saul back. And secondly, he simply removed himself from it so that his behavior could not affect him. So if it is abusive, a great idea is to remove yourself. If it's at a place that you can no longer honor and submit, all those things, then just remove yourself from it. And the third thing is the advantage test. What happens when you have an advantage over authority? You may ask, you know, what, what's that mean? You will always have an area of advantage over the authority. Listen, the truth was, David was a better leader than Saul. I mean, it's, it's very clear. He was better than Saul. 
He was anointed. He had a heart after God. Saul had rejected God, had been disobedient, all kinds of things. Even the people sang songs. Saul's killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. He was even more popular. Like Everything was lining up for David all along the way, but David never touched Saul. Why? He knew that God, that Saul was God's delegated authority. So what David did do, y'all, like, what did he do? Here's what he did. One night Saul was asleep. David snuck in while Saul was asleep. It's, it's an interesting verse. But the Bible says that he cut a piece of Saul's garment off. And he left. And early the next morning, he, from a distance, and when somebody's throwing spears at it's probably a good idea to be at a distance, right? He hollers and said, hey, king. I got a piece of your garment. Just want you to know I had a knife that close to you. I could have taken you out, big guy. But I'm trying to show you I'm honoring you even though you're crazy. You got devils manifesting. I got to play the harp to drive them out. You tried to spear me to the wall. I'm showing you, big boy, I could have slit your throat. But I want you to know I honor And And it was that moment that Saul said, You're a better man than I am. Truly, God has anointed you as king. Have you ever wondered why God opens up certain doors for specific people at strategic times? I promise you they understand authority. The last test that God will make us pass is the association test. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I close this out. The association test. What do I mean? How many who you hang out with matters? Who you're connected to, who you're linked up with matters. If you know the story of Saul and David in this whole transition, that while they were out to battle, the Bible says that Saul fell upon a sword. All right, but he didn't die. But he wished he was dead. It was it was bad. Like he knew that I'm not dead, but it's probably not going to be long. And and the Bible says there was, there was a young Amalekite man who came up on Saul. And Saul basically said, I, I need you to finish me off. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't live like this. So the young Amalekite man finished him off. And he went to King David and said, Hey, David, I just want you to know you don't have to worry about any spears coming your way. Saul's dead. And David said, How do you know? that Saul is dead well he fell on a sword and wasn't dead and I just finished the job alright now listen to what David said 2 Samuel 1 starting in verse 13 so David said to the young man who told him he said where are you from and he answered I am the son of an alien and a Malachite so David said to him how was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointing, or the Lord's anointed. What's the point here? David would not associate himself with a king killer, even though that king had been trying to kill David over and over because David understood something. Authority comes from God, and I'm not going to link up with anyone that would dishonor any authority whatsoever. Now, 
Let's make this practical. As I said earlier, I would not use this because I, I want y'all to honor me. That's not what this is about. I'm talking about at your workplace, your boss, the president of the company you work for. Do you just let people ramble on? Do you hook up with people that talk bad about those in authority? God says you're bringing judgment on your life. This is going over well. Are you hooked up? See, it's not. It's one thing when you do it, but it's, it's another thing too when you're not doing it, but you're hooked up with people who are. How many know that to listen to gossip is to gossip? I'm telling you what, we need another sermon on this. It's like, it, this is a grin and bear it sermon. The president of your company, your boss man. See, we, back to that whole abusive thing and discomfort thing. Listen, it's not abuse when the boss asks you to do something you don't want to do. That's called a job. If you want him to keep putting his name on the check, you better do it. Just because they ask you to do something you don't want to do, that is not abusive authority. That, that's, that's called a boss man. And God is going to use some people to humble us. He's going to use some people that, that he's going to want us to honor that we really don't want to honor. You know why it's so quiet in here? Because we all have an element of this in our life that we need to correct. That's just the truth. Y'all come back next week. It ain't always this heavy, all right? Stand with me. Stand with me today. Did you get something out of the Word of God? Amen. I'm not going to check email for a few weeks. Hey, can we celebrate? We just had two people give their life to Christ online. That's amazing. You know God's working when I can preach that and they get saved. Come on. That's like, woo! Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We're not going to prolong this. We're going to pray and let you go. But if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I don't know him as my Savior. I need his grace and forgiveness. I don't want to leave in the same condition I came. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that Jesus is my Lord. I want to make that decision today. Not going to embarrass you, but I, I do want you to do something bold. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. Thank you for this one here. Another one over here. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Another one back there. God bless you. Come on, anyone else? Say, that's me. I need Jesus today. Another one over here. God bless you. See you. God bless you. Awesome. 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 We're going to pray with all these hands that have gone up. Come on, church. Let's say it out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those decisions for Jesus today. Amen. That's what it's all about.
Well, I hope y'all still love your pastor after that mess, all right? Hope you have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for being here. We'd love to see you again next week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.